Aloha, everyone, and welcome back to Foundation Fridays here at Multifamily Live. So today, my guest is, I consider him a friend now. We met a few years back at Multifamily Live, quite possibly before that, and we have known each other for... I would say about three years now. So I would love to introduce you to the amazing Scotty Emsley. Welcome to, well, actually welcome back to the show, Scotty. Thank you. I'm I'm very glad to be here. Glad I get a chance to talk with you and your audience. Well, thank you again so much for being here. I know I've had you on the show before, but for anyone who has not met you, please introduce yourself. Sure. Uh, so my name is Scotty Emsley, and some people know me as Dr. Scotty um, because that is my uh, primary hat that uh, I wear. So I am a psychologist turned real estate investor. And the wonderful thing about multifamily investing, as opposed to even other types of real estate investing, is that it is something that you can do with other roles and responsibilities. So if you're a, a parent, if you're a uh, employee somewhere, if you're an entrepreneur in some other area, you can be fully successful in multifamily. So um, I got into multifamily uh, about two years ago, just over two years ago. Um, and well, no, just over two and a half years ago now. Um, and I was starting out um, just wanting to find a better avenue um, how do I invest in real estate without depleting all of my cash reserves? Um, and how do I grow this business into a real business rather than just something I do to make a little bit of money here and there? I dabbled in wholesaling and flipping for a, a, just about a year and tried to figure out how that all works. Uh, wasn't very successful at it, so I purchased a few properties, but I really just wanted to buy and hold them. I wasn't much of a flipper, and I never wholesaled anything. And then uh, ran out of money, and I was like, there's got to be a better way to do this. I can't be um, depleting every last dollar to my name to get these buy and holds. Like, There's got to be a better way, a more efficient way to invest in real estate and really grow my um, my business and my wealth. So started looking at multifamily, and that was in July of 2020. Yeah, July of no July of 2021, when I joined uh, multifamily, seven-figure multifamily, um, and got hit the ground running. Decided on my target market, and then six months later, I bought a 16-unit with one partner. So I did a joint venture on that deal, uh, and then. Um, six months after that, I bought a 52 unit. Then a month later, I bought a 64 unit. Uh, then two months later, I bought a 60 and a 64 unit at the same time. Uh, then another three months after that, I bought a 52 unit. Um, no, that one's 48 unit. Sorry. Um, and uh, then just last week, which was six months after that last purchase, last Monday, um, I bought a 134 unit. And so since that first deal, I did a joint venture on that first deal. Everything since then has been through syndication. And I feel like I found my calling. I feel like I found the thing that the answer to my question way back when, when I first was getting started, um, this is the avenue 
syndication is the avenue to not totally deplete your cash reserves um, and to grow your wealth and to help other people. Um, so I, uh, I've really exponentially grown in the past two years and I'm excited for um, all of that. Wow. So how many units are you at right now? 438. 438. It was like you got that first 16 unit. And I believe, I believe in the law of the first deal. You get that first deal, you figure out how it, how it's done and you just keep on keeping on. Um, actually, you know what? I want to hear it from you though. Like after you got that 16 unit, how did you feel? Um, I still didn't feel like I knew what I was doing. So there was there. Uh, I thought this was going to be the cure to all my woes. Like I was going to, I got a, a deal done and now I can retire and life's going to be magical, right? That's yeah. how it's supposed to go. Wait, it wasn't uh, magical. It didn't real estate did not cure everything. Maybe I did what? something wrong. I don't know, <laughs> uh, but no, it did not fix everything. So mm -hmm. I, uh, I got that first deal and I was like, okay, well, I got a little bit of an acquisition fee for doing that. So that did, that kind of helped with some of the, the finances situation, but it wasn't much. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe I'm missing something here. And so I looked at how we were structuring things and, um, you know, asset management fee and, um, how are we, how are we collecting money? Um, it didn't really set in. Like we, we didn't start cash flowing very well on that property um, for about six months. And that's because during those first, the first six months, we're just turning over units. They were, um, we got a screaming hot deal on this property because it was poorly managed by the previous owners. And it was, there was a lot of deferred maintenance, a lot of things that needed to be updated to get them the rents up to where they needed to be. So we really tried to get in there and hustle for those first six months, probably even 12 months before we were really starting to pick up speed on that property. Um, so yeah, we weren't cash flowing. I wasn't making, I, I made a little bit of money on the acquisition fee, but ultimately I wasn't making very much. So um, I was no, kind of disappointed. I want to actually dig into that. And I think you're kind of going towards this. So you get that first deal done, that illuminous, amazing first deal that we all talk about. And it sounds like it was, I don't want to say a disappointment, but it was like, oh, okay, so this is what it's like. Okay. Yeah. So dig into that a little bit because I want I want people to know this is Foundation Fridays. I want people to know the other side of real estate. Multifamily isn't always bright and shiny. You're going to get whacked in the face with a kabillion dollars. There's work to be done. And there's, yeah. there's the undercurrent of that. This is going to be the, the be all end all and it's going to solve all your problems. And it sounds like it actually wasn't. Yeah. So I, that first deal was disappointing um, because I thought it was going to be the thing that, uh, this was retirement level money. I was, I was banking on, you know, this was only a joint venture. So, mm -hmm. uh, I was a majority owner and, um, so surely this was going to be great. And it was just not, it wasn't, it wasn't anything. So I was a, a bit disillusioned by that first one. 
and thought I might have been doing some things wrong. So I consulted with my mentors, consulted with other people that um, that were in the know. And actually, one of my favorite people, he had already talked about this concept, uh, but one of my favorite people was actually Chad King. So I had a phone call with him where he reminded me about the conveyor belt. Um, I've already heard about the conveyor belt analogy, but he reminded me of this and he said, you're going to, um, the first thing was that I was going to open up doors, all kinds of doors for deals that I didn't even know were possible. And that is the good thing that did come out of that first deal. It opened up a wealth of knowledge. But the second thing was that this is the long game. We're not, this is not a get rich quick scheme. This is us investing our time, energy, and resources over years to receive a very healthy return in some total. And this, as long as you're able and willing to stay in the game, um, you can make, it can be very profitable. So with that shift in mindset, um, we went forward into our second deal and then the floodgates opened. So um, that first deal did open up all kinds of doors that I didn't even know were there. I didn't even know that, that there were, um, that people were overlooking me, not giving me the time of day because I, I didn't have the experience. Um, so I'm talking about both brokers. They didn't want to take me seriously because I'd never done anything prior to that, but also, um, investors, you know, people who were looking at potentially partnering with me and investing alongside me in these deals. They wanted some proof of concept that I knew what I was talking about and I could perform on what I said I, I could do. Um, they wanted to see that in meat and potatoes. And that first deal opened up that gateway. I love that you just compared yourself to meat and potatoes. You are now <laughs> able to show the brokers the meat and potatoes that you could provide, that you could, you could take a deal to close and you did and you've been running that deal ever since. Um, talk to us about your second deal. Okay. So, um, the second deal came about through a series of connections from that first. So the first, uh, person who, who the person who got us that first deal was a wholesaler. Mm -hmm. So, um, wholesalers are fewer and farther between, uh, in the world of multifamily real estate, but there are some really good quality ones out there. So, he introduced us to a broker who had a listing also in Greenville, uh, because we had already performed in that market. He opened up our eyes to see some, uh, some potential deals there. So I connected with this broker and it took every bit of that six months to get that deal done. So I came out of one deal almost instantaneously into another deal. Like I was starting to work on it, starting to negotiate, starting to do the due diligence on that second deal. Um, and a, an ordinary contract period you think of is 30 to 45 days of uh, due diligence, 30 to 45 days to close. So roughly two to three months timeframe should be the ordinary uh, length of time that you're, you're kind of working on a deal. But that is not true at all because there's a lot of stuff that happens before the deal um, gets under contract. And there's even stuff that, that can delay contract by, by nickel and diming you toward the end um, that will extend a contract out another 15 to 30 days just at the end. So um, that second deal was a team effort. This was my first syndication. So on the first deal, I 
did a joint venture and still felt like I didn't know anything about syndication. So the second deal was a real trial for myself and my growing team. The partner that I joined with on the first deal was ready to, to go into business with me long term. Um, but I also attracted attention from other people in the seven figure multifamily mastermind who were like, Hey, I like what Scotty and John are doing. So I want to jump on board with that. Um, and so we had two other team members join our team to take down that second deal in that process. We had not only evolution of a syndication, figuring out what's involved, what the sec regulations are all about with that, what you can say, what you can't say publicly, but also team dynamics. How are we going to work as a team and how do we navigate each other without stepping on toes? But also how do we navigate each other and, and give each other um, what you're worth, what, what you have earned to, um, to be a part of that deal. So there was some uh, negotiations and, and even some hard conversations that were had before that first deal was actually closed. Um, and we, uh, we, by the skin of our teeth, were able to raise $1.9 million for that deal. So that was a lot of money for us to be raising at that point. And man, it was, I'm telling you, by like days before closing, we were like, are we going to get $100,000 and not be able to close? Um, so see, Scotty, uh, and I'm going to stop you there just for a second. Yeah. This is what the multifamily world doesn't show very often. You always hear of all the ones that are oversubscribed. Oh, we were subscribed within 48 hours, 72 hours. Don't miss out. This is going to go fast. The truth of the matter is most deals are not oversubscribed. Most deals, the deal runners need to push it and push it and push it to the end. Cause you and I both know there's going to be that LP that has something come up and they can't actually fund or now their funds got tied up or dot, 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 dot. So thank you for sure. jumping into that because I want anybody that's getting into this and also our peers in multifamily, because now I can call you a peer, our peers in multifamily need to understand that it's okay to tell people the truth. It's okay to let people know that, hey, with this one, I had a little bit of trouble. Next one, maybe I'll call you and you can come help me. Maybe we can find some partnerships there. I also want you to dig into, though, because you mentioned partnerships. And you know I love the word partnerships. I feel like that word sings to me. Partnerships, relationships equal partnerships equal long-term gains. So talk to me about the relationships you formed within seven figure multifamily and how that translated into partnerships. And even if you can dive even a little deeper and talk about some of those hard conversations that you had to have with your partners. We did have some challenges with the second deal. So John and I had already worked together on the first deal. We were a known quantity, but as we were heading into that second deal, we knew we had to grow the team. We were not capable just between the two of us to um, take down some of these larger deals, especially a deal that's, you know, four times as big as our first deal was. So um, we started looking around and the obvious first place for us to look was in the seven figure multifamily mastermind. And the reason why we thought that was the obvious first choice is because these are these are folks who have um, kind of put their money where their mouth is, so to speak. 
people, lots of people talk a big game. I'm sure you can go online right now on Facebook and find hundreds of people that say they will do work and, and will work hard for you and would love Thousands. to join your dollar team. <laughs> um, so, um, there's, there's probably plenty of those. Um, but the seven figure multifamily, uh, folks, we were in weekly calls with them. We were learning from them every single day on how to more successfully build a business and work together. So we, uh, talked with, um, two individuals, Jake, uh, Salazar and Frank Cooper Smith, um, about partnering together. And the first time that we wanted to partner together, we wanted to do kind of a, a trial by fire. We wanted to do a deal before we form a business. So we wanted to um, approach this as though we are looking for business partners, but we want to see how you perform and how you actually execute on what you say you're going to do. The, the second deal for all of its challenges um, with capital raising um, was overall a pretty smooth deal altogether. Um, there was plenty of meat on the bone, plenty of opportunity. And so we had to figure out what is each person contributing to that first deal. And uh, admittedly, I approached that a little bit selfishly. And so um, I thought, hey, I have found this deal. I have underwritten it. I've negotiated. I contracted it. John put up the earnest money deposit. I feel like we are entitled to, John and I are entitled to a bigger piece of this pie. Um, and one of the wonderful things that Frank had to open up my eyes to in my selfishness um, was that I get to work, 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 work all the way up until closing. Um, but then I get to hand things off and I get to step back for a little bit and say, um, okay, now I'm going to move on to the next deal. I'm going to look for the next opportunity. Meanwhile, Frank and Jake now have to take a deal and actually execute on the business plan that I've put forward. Um, so they are, uh, Yes, that does happen after closing, and most of this stuff is kind of decided by closing day. But now, you know, Jake and Frank are having to work hard for five years. I had, yeah, I had six months of hard work, and that was hard work. But that doesn't compare to six years of hard work and how they should be fairly compensated for that. So we had some of those hard conversations, um, and we did the deal together. It went off, uh, not without a hitch, but. It, it did go off and, and we, we have, uh, we successfully closed on that deal. Thank you for being so honest and opening up to some of the harder conversations that you have with your partners and that you had to have this realization when you opened yourself up to more partnerships, people coming in and taking on certain roles and responsibilities. Cause it sounds like you were acquisitions along with, along with John. And then yep. Jake and Frank came on as more of the asset management team and you total all together raised the capital for the deal. And having that conversation usually before is helpful in letting people know, okay, so as asset manager, you're going to get X as acquisitions, you're going to get X. And I think those are the biggest two. And then you yeah. have, all the other partners that come in and provide that uplift for the entire project. So kudos to you. Thank you for, thank you for bringing out some of the realities, some of the foundational realities of multifamily. Congratulations to all your success, Scotty. If there is one thing that you can leave the multifamily live audience with, 
as they step into this journey or as they even continue on this journey, what's one thing that you can leave them with? Um, that we are all deeply selfish on the inside. Um, and you need to know that because, um, you, and you need to be willing to own up to that. Um, that even Frank, for all of his, his talk and convincing me that I was selfish, he also had to acknowledge some selfishness on his side. And the more deals that we have seen, um, it's, it, people will, uh, approach it with a good heart. I don't think anybody's malicious. I haven't ca encountered anybody that's malicious in this space who's just doing it with ill intent. Uh, at least I've not worked with them. Um, <laughs> thank God. But um, the there is a, um, a kind of land grab that will happen at some point in a deal. And people will start to say, hey, I think I deserve X. Um, and, and you need to be able to have the conversation with the mindset and, and kind of being vulnerable and being exposed um, to acknowledge the fact that yeah, you're probably um, you, you're probably getting less than maybe you deserve, but it's better to have a small piece of a done deal than a hundred percent of no deal. So you need to um, be willing to be a partner first and work with your partners um, ahead of doing that land grab and trying to trying to take for me and mine, um, whatever you can out of the deal. I think that's an amazing, amazing bit of insight to leave the multifamily live audience with Scotty. If anyone wants to reach out to you, where can they find you? Best place would probably be through Instagram, Stuart Scotty, uh, S T E W A R D Scotty. Um, that's my Instagram handle. Fantastic. We will put that down in the show notes. Scotty, thank you so very much for joining. And audience, listeners, I am so grateful to you. I hope you took everything that Scotty said and you implement it now. I am, this is something that I'm going to say after every podcast because I believe in podcasts, I believe in books, I believe in educating yourself, get into that mentorship program, check out our mentorship program below. You don't have to join us, but you have to join something. The key is to implement. Take out those earbuds, put down your phone and go call a broker, go underwrite a deal. Go do something that actually takes you to another level, but you got to do it. You have to take that step. Again, thank you so much, Scotty. And to my audience, thank you so much. Aloha, love, and peace in your day. Aloha. <laughs>